0: Jesus. Okay, (laughs) I'm back. I haven't taught in a couple of months and it's good to be back. Thank you, Jesus. All right, Um, I'm gonna tell you guys a story about this guy named Travis. Travis has always found it super easy to not really care about anything or anyone. Um, He feels that showing emotion and care towards someone is weak. Travis doesn't believe getting a job and earning a wage is something he should have to do, so he just doesn't. He wants to do what he wants to do all the time, and that's just whatever makes him feel good. Travis believes he's free because he doesn't let anyone control him. You guys got a picture of Travis? <laughs> you can see him in your head. He's kind of an angry kind of guy. Just everyone, stay away from me. i just do whatever I want. I'm just angry at the world, and you can't control me. Jesus, okay, that's, that's person number one. Here's Travis. Person number two is Gemma. Now, Gemma is not like Travis. Hey, man, how are you? Come on in. Good, thanks. Um, person number two is Gemma. Gemma comes from a very quiet and conservative family, and she is much the same. She's always doing what she's told, and she loves to hear when she's done a good job. Gemma looks down on people like Travis and thinks that they'll never be happy and thinks that having no structure in your life is bad for you. Gemma is very structured and very organized. She's always trying to stay out of people's way and not stir up conflict so that she can stay happy. Gemma believes that she's free because of the rules in her life. That's person number two. Person number three is Andre. And this is the final person. Andre is a super driven, highly educated business owner who loves to read and learn as much as he can. He doesn't struggle with money. He really enjoys his work. He has great friends and is super intelligent. He constantly feeds himself knowledge and realizes that education is never finished. He doesn't trade his time for money, rather he makes his money work make money for him. Overall, Andre looks around the world and sees everyone else caught in the rat race, but not him because he believes he's free. Okay, those are my three people. Travis, Gemma, and Andre. Which of those three people that I just mentioned do you believe is free? Which of those three people do you believe is free? Travis, the guy who just doesn't care about anyone or anything. Hello, welcome. Gemma, quiet and conservative Gemma, following the rules Gemma, stay out of your way Gemma, no conflict Gemma, yeah? Or Andre, super driven, really intelligent, reading lots of books, taking control of his life. Who is the most free? Now that's the question. Now we're gonna go through each one. And I'm gonna make the case that none of these guys are free and I'll tell you why. Um, Travis is not free because he is a slave to his own desires. He's constantly craving more and more and doesn't ever feel satisfied, but he can't admit that, because that would involve asking someone else for help, which he doesn't do, so he's trapped in a cycle of unhappiness. His hardened exterior has kept him from the binds that other people try to enforce upon him, which is good, but instead, his desperate desire to avoid external slavery to anything has made him a slave internally. Travis is not free, even though he believes he is. Does that makes sense, mm-hmm. super rebellious, you can't control me, I do whatever the heck I want. I'm free from you. and what happens? he's a slave. makes sense. Gemma is also not free because she's a slave to the laws of life. Whatever rules she places over herself in order to keep structure, she becomes a slave to the freedom that structure and organization has given her, which is good and true is overshadowed by the inner slavery she develops slowly over time as a result, unbeknownst to her, because she feels deep down that because she's so morally good, she must be rewarded with a free and fulfilling life. Instead, she feels proud of herself in a negative way because she considers herself better than unstructured rule breakers. You guys following? And when she herself fails to stay within her own rules, she is filled with guilt and despair. Gemma is not free even though she's belie- even though she believes she's on the path to it. Make sense? Two extremes obviously, Travis, Gemma, right? One hates the rules, one loves the rules, both claiming to be free by their own path, both not free by their own path. Person number three, this is the most tricky one, Andre. And this is why I put him in here because he's tricky, right? Now Andre, he's a tricky one. Um, and nothing I mentioned about Andre, you know, Rich, successful, intelligent, all these things. Nothing I mentioned about him was inherently bad. All these things I mentioned about him was good. But I still put him there, Um, I still still put before you that he's not free. Now don't get me wrong, he's the most free out of the three of them, easily. Um, But he's still not truly, fully free. And the reason I'm bringing all this up is because I'm gonna talk about freedom tonight, what true freedom is. And you are going to be shown 100,000 different paths to freedom in your life from the world. And it's very difficult to figure out which one's actually legit and which way do I go and what is true freedom? Is it doing whatever you want? Is it never doing whatever you want? You know what I mean? Like, there's extremes. Um, but Andre is a tricky one because he, he has a life that many of us would aspire to. So he, he, he seems very, very free. The other two we can easily poke holes in, right? But Andre, he's different. Now. Um, now, okay, the reason he's the most free is that the true, is that true freedom comes from within and empowers you to live out the life that you were created to live. That's part of my talk tonight. True freedom comes from within, right? And empowers you to live the life that you were created to live. So whatever helps you live the life that you were created for, that's what freedom is. Whatever stops you from living that life, that's slavery. Um, now, Andre has this to an extent because he's educated himself and ridden himself of bad thinking as much as he knows how. But the reason he's not free is that similar to Gemma, he considers himself better than others that don't know what he knows and don't do what he does. He lets the things that he sees keep people trapped, like not having enough money or a job you don't like, be his criteria for for his freedom. Because he's worked to get out of that, he's now proud of himself in an arrogant way. He He's let versions of freedom that he's learned about in books dictate and drive his decisions and redefine freedom. But he himself is not peaceful and happy within his heart. So therefore, he's not free. (coughs) Yeah, Jesus. Yeah, like I said, freedom is a super tricky topic to navigate. Everyone all the time is claiming to be free or trying to put this image out there of I am free. I'm living this freeing life, right? But often you find that they're not. Because especially in the social media culture, it's been really heightened in the past 10 years, massively. This was already an issue before, but now it's been massively heightened. So everyone portrays this image of what what they want you to see. I'm, I'm living this awesome free life. I only capture the highlights. Look how much fun I'm having, right? But then you find out that they're depressed and you go, what? I had no idea. What the heck? Or they tried to take their own life three times last year and you didn't even know about it. And you go, what? You look so happy. It's because true freedom is from the inside. It's not from the outside. Instagram captures the outside. It doesn't capture the inside. Jesus. And we, expo- we are exposed every single day, now more than ever, to many people ch- um, chasing different versions of freedom in their life, in their own way. and often believing that they've arrived and trying to convince you this is the way to go, this is freedom. But often you find they're just actually not very happy people or very peaceful people because true freedom comes from within. (coughs) Some of the examples that we face every day, some people say all that you need to be um, free is to not have a boss that tells you to rock up at nine o'clock every single day and that you need to be your own boss. And as soon as you be your own boss and you make your own work and you make your own time limits, then you'll be free. I hear that one all the time on podcasts and books and everything like that. That's true freedom, apparently. But it ain't. <laughs> it's a version of freedom. It's a slice of it. It's just not the whole thing. Don't say it's the whole thing, otherwise you'd be miserable. Um, others say that you need to just be tr- fully true to yourself. And whatever desires that you find within yourself, you must follow them regardless of what other people think, right? So society has told you to be this, society has told you to be that, and true freedom comes from when you just be yourself, don't care what they think, that's true freedom. The thing is not all your desires are gonna benefit you and not all your desires are good and holy and right and what God created you for. So if you start going down that route, you get really lost and you're also all over the place because your desires are constantly changing with with your emotions. You guys know what I'm saying? And still others say, if you want to be truly free, you have to get rid of all your things and become minimalistic. The stuff is what's keeping you trapped in your life. (laughs) It's a big one in Western society right now. We've got too much crap. We spend all our stuff, sort of spend all our money on all this stuff. We don't need it. That's how you get free, get rid of it. It's not freedom. It's a slice of it. It's just not the full thing. Um, Yeah, so please don't hear me wrong. All these things that I just mentioned, they they are a little bit of freedom. Every single bit of them is good. That's right being true to yourself is right Owning your own business is right uh getting rid of all your crap that you don't need that's all good that's right that's god that's awesome but it's not the path to freedom and the world will claim that it is you'll find a podcast that's dedicated to minimalism and they're just like it's just changed my whole life and now i'm free pretty much guarantee go search that person's heart they might have changed their life because of minimalism but they are not at peace they are not happy um because true freedom comes from within, not getting rid of your stuff. Okay. What I want to talk about is true and complete freedom. True and complete inner freedom, getting rid of slavery within yourself, feeling bound by something. All mental health issues are you being bound by something. All insecurity or fear or doubt or worry or overwhelming concern or overwhelming sadness, all these things that are inner binds on you. And that that means that you're not free if you have them. And I have them, even right now. But Jesus is freeing me from the inside out. Because, that's my big idea tonight. Jesus frees us from the inside out so we can authentically live the life we were created for. Jesus frees us from the inside out, not the outside in, so we can authentically, as in true to yourself, live the life we were created for. That's being totally true to yourself because your true self is found within him. And then you go, ah, those are the right desires. That's what God put in me. And that's my deepest joy. And that's his glory. When I walk out that life, yeah, okay. And this inner freedom is different from the freedom of the world because this freedom doesn't mean you can just now go do whatever you want because that in itself, listen to this, that in itself is another more subtle form of slavery doing whatever you want all the time, following your every whim, every desire, every emotion is another subtle form of slavery, but it gets branded as freedom, but it's a lie. Jesus. Okay, let's talk about how Jesus frees us. So God created humanity in the garden to live in freedom. If you read Genesis one and you read Genesis two, it's a very obvious, very clear picture of freedom. Hey Holly. <clears throat> there was literally nothing within their external environment within the garden that god created that was going to bind them and there was nothing internal within themselves that was going to bind them Does that makes sense externally they were free there was nothing keeping them bound they weren't in a prison and internally they were free because they were created like god and he's free within himself and they're just like him jesus but at the fall that all changed as you guys probably already know man was originally created to be just like God and image who he is but as we sinned and we spiritually died the image of God within us became marred beyond recognition so we were created to be like God so when when we were originally designed we're supposed to people look at us and go oh God's like that God's like you I see God in you you're like a little version of him right and when we sinned and we and we fell away from God and we spiritually died the image of God was still within us but it was marred beyond recognition you can look at a human, you can see remnants of what God is like, but not really, because they've been so damaged from the inside out. Originally, we were created to think and desire just like God does, but we lost that too. Sorry, um, but then we lost that too and started to think like an insecure person. The first thing that Adam and Eve do when God comes to them in the garden is they run and they hide and they point blame and they realize they were naked. So it's shame, it's fear, it's finger pointing, it's don't, don't judge me, back off, it's her fault. She goes, no, it's the snake's fault. Everyone's blaming each other. Why are you so insecure? It's because you lost the image of God, or at least it was very, very much damaged. And you died spiritually, so you don't have security within your heart anymore. And so you fear and you worry and you doubt and, you, and you're concerned all the time. And that right there, that moment, is the birth of inner slavery. And everyone in this room has tasted a bit of it. And it sucks. And it really, really hurts. And you can feel very powerless with it. I'm hurt within myself. I struggle with fear and doubt and insecurity and worry and depression and overwhelming sadness. And I don't know what to do about it. That's a tricky place to be. So if you, if you, even if you have the dream job and if you have all the money and you live in perfect outward exterior life, if you have all those things internally, no one would consider you free even though you do actually appear to be free. Does that make sense? So we deal with the inside first and then we can deal with the outside things such as money and work and family and all those things. Yeah. Jesus. So all these things that bind us from the inside out, they are built on a foundation and Jesus has come to break that foundation off from inside of your heart. Now that foundation is one thing, right? Foundation is one thing. It's called lies. (laughs) Jesus comes to set you free from lies by giving you what? The truth. now let me explain how this works right so one of jesus most famous sayings is john 8 if you hold to my teaching then you are truly my disciples and then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free so how do you get it set free well you hold to jesus's teaching which makes you one of his disciples which then means you find out the truth and then the truth sets you free makes sense so god doesn't come down in a miraculous form and break something off your life within your heart and go, now you're free. He tells you the truth. And then you decide if you want to believe it or not. You can, you can and also you can hear the truth, receive the truth intellectually, but not believe the truth and then you still won't be free because you don't know the truth within your heart. It's only if you believe the truth, make sense? So a very quick example of this to make it real Oh, just quickly before I say that. This is the basis for my talk tonight. And this is Jesus' method of freeing people from the inside out by teaching them how to believe the truth. First of all, he teaches you the truth and then he helps you to believe it. It's a combo of the two. Mm -hmm. So a quick example of this is that you might feel within yourself and even tonight you might feel this within yourself, that you might feel very worthless because you feel you haven't achieved much in your life. That could be some sort of inner thought within your heart. I feel worthless, I don't feel like I have much value, I don't feel like people really care about me, I don't think that my life really even matters all that much because what have I done with my life? That could be a thought that you have and I think a lot of people do have that thought. And what that does, that constant feeling of worthlessness will manifest in a number of different ways and different depending on your personality or what you've been through in life. But for example, it would manifest in depression or anxiety or, co- or comparison issues, constantly comparing yourself to other people and always feeling insecure, um, or anger, or lack of motivation, or all of them, or a combo, or whatever. It changes depending on the day. So now we've got a concept, I feel worthless, built on an idea, I haven't achieved anything in my life, manifesting in all these terrible, negative, emotional things, right? So what, the only possible way that you can break that chain is if you deal with the root. Does that make sense? So you feel worthless. So Jesus comes in and he says, okay, that's a thought that you have and that feeling is real, but it's actually not true. It's just not true. So none of this stuff can can actually hold you anymore because it's actually not true. Because the thing that, all all that stuff came from that root and we're gonna deal with that root, you feel worthless? Well, I'm gonna tell you that you are very, very valuable. Infinitely valuable. Why? Because I created you and you come from me. And I say that you're valuable. Your value doesn't come from your achievements. You could achieve nothing the rest of your life and you're just still valuable. And you go, oh, that's a different way to think about value and self-worth. And you start to go, oh my gosh. And you start to believe. And it starts to rewire the way that you think. And all of a sudden, faith is rising and then you grab hold of that truth no, I am valuable. Why did I think that I had to do something to be valuable? If God says I'm valuable, I just must be valuable. I just must be. And all of a sudden, the truth has set you free. Because none of these things can hold on to you any longer because they're all built on a foundation, which was a lie. Very simple stuff. Um, this is a really big thing that counselors and psychologists do when, when you go see them is that uh, I think they got this concept from Jesus um, <laughs> personally. And this is not everything that counselors and psychologists do, this is just one thing they do. But especially if you are going with anxiety and you say, I'm really struggling with anxious thoughts, I'm really worried all the time, they go, okay. So and I've actually personally done this because I used to have a bit of anxiety when I was about 23, 24. So I went to see a counselor. I did quite a few times actually, and it was very helpful one thing I was really worried about was I was like um, whenever Amber my uh, fiance at the time now my wife um, whenever she doesn't answer her phone I get really worried I think that maybe she's like in a car accident or something like that or maybe she's like you know calling her ex-boyfriend or something like that <laughs> something stupid right and I started to explain this to the counselor and he goes okay that, that could be true and he got this piece of paper out and a pen. And he said, can you just give me a few of the reasons why someone, not just Amber, but why someone might not enter their phone? I was like, okay, um, maybe they have no reception. And he goes, okay, wrote it down. Maybe they've run out of credit. Yeah, okay, wrote it down. Maybe they're busy. Wrote it down, right? All these different things. And then he asked me, what was the percentage of each thing happening? At a reception, I don't know, maybe 10% of the time. Um, busy 50% of the time, and just wrote it down, just very logical, he said, okay, now what what are the odds that she's not answering her phone because she is calling her ex-boyfriend? And I was like, okay, I don't know, like one in 10,000? And he was like, okay, and he wrote it down, 0.01%, whatever it is. And he goes, so if these are the options, and this is what's logical, and this is what's true, and you've agreed with this, and you've told me this, and then you call Amber tomorrow and she doesn't pick up and your mind wants to go straight away to the 0.01% chance of thing happening. Cause it could happen. It's just very, very unlikely. Your mind's going straight to that and you're ignoring 99.9% of all other things. Do you think that's fair? And I was like, no, that's not fair at all. And all he did was show me that what I was doing was built on a lie. That's it. And I had already agreed with it, but my mind was instantly zeroing in on this because of anxiety and worry and fear and all these things. And he just freed me by the truth. He goes, it's probably not happening. And I was like, oh yeah, it's probably not. And that was it. And I just felt fine after that. It took a little bit of practice, like to put into my life, but it's powerful. The truth in and of itself, just by itself is powerful. You are loved. Imagine if you just genuinely right now, fully within your heart, just believe that you were just loved. That is powerful. That will just make you happy. You just feel like, dang, it's cool when I have to strive to get people to love me anymore. That's awesome. What was that? It's just an idea. It's just a, tr- it's just a true idea and God shows you that in your life and it sets you free. It's amazing. Yeah. Jesus. Okay. And it's okay to first hear the truth and to doubt. It's okay. Disciples did it. People do it. It's understandable. You've heard the opposite usually the whole, your whole life. You believe the opposite for years of your life. Then Jesus comes in with the truth and you go, oh, I'm not so sure about that. It's okay. Just work it through with Holy Spirit. That's his job. His job is there to guide you into all truth. Jesus said that. I will give you my friend, the counselor. He will help guide you into all truth he'll start interrupting your thoughts see how you believe that i don't reckon that's true see how god says this but then you think this maybe you should just let go of that and then just little bit by little bit thing by thing you just get freer and freer and freer every single day it's awesome now i don't mean this in a kind of a boasting way but because I practice this for so long now, and been following Jesus for so long, and I've really tried to listen to him over my life for so long, I literally am a very free person. Like I don't have a lot of the things that I used to struggle with anymore. They just literally don't exist. I almost can't remember what they feel like. Now, I still do have some of those things because I'm not completely free. I still struggle with believing lies. I still struggle with doubt and concern and worry and fear and all these different things but nowhere near as much as I used to. Quite literally, it would be probably 80 or 90% less than what it used to be. That's what it feels like anyway. That, that is a measurable, quantifiable thing in my life that I literally experienced. I used to feel worry and fear and insecurity and concern, and now I just literally don't. Why? Because I believe lies and now I believe truth. It's very simple, but it just takes a bit of time to get there. And because you, you can't just intellectually go, yeah, "I believe that now. I believe that now. I'm just worthy because God's just said that I'm worthy." No, that's you forcing yourself to believe it. Deep down in your heart, you don't actually believe it, right? So Holy Spirit has to guide you through this process. Tackle down all these arguments, right? Paul in two Corinthians ten says the weapons that we have help us to break down arguments that raise himself up against the knowledge of God. That's the weapons that we have, the truth. Jesus. <clears throat> so good. Yeah, Jesus. 2 Corinthians ten three to five. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons not worldly weapons to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ." You guys heard about spiritual warfare? Mm -hmm. You ever ever heard that term before? Mm -hmm. It's really not like, ah, I bind you devil. Ah, I cast you out devil. It's just like, it's just truth. You just love people, you teach them the truth and you guide them into believing the truth. And because this is what it says in verse 5, we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. How cool is that? The point is to know God and all these things pop up in your head to stop you from knowing God or he doesn't exist or he doesn't love me or he doesn't want to answer my prayers or I'm not sure if the Bible's is real. These are all things, right? And our job as a church with the, with the Word of God is to break down all the obstacles by the truth very simply it's just true, it's just true, it's just true. you should just believe it. you know what I'm saying Any questions so far? is this making sense? Are you guys following? Yeah. Sort, of. yeah, sort of you got a question Not yet. okay, it'll come. think about it. <laughs> It's a completely different thing to actually know what the truth is. It's, it's quite difficult sometimes to read the Bible and go, um, <laughs> mobile devices are silent, thanks. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, to read, read the Bible and go, this is what truth is. I'm reading truth right now. And it is truth, but sometimes you've got to work. This is why you need Holy Spirit. This is why it's relationship. This is why it's, it's Jesus in you, working it in you. It's not just you on this journey. I've got to figure out everything that's true in life, and that's going to set me free. No, you get to work it through with the Holy Spirit. And in so doing, you get to know Him along the way because you're doing stuff together. Okay, so while we're on the topic of truth, it is true that for those of you who are in Christ, that you have a new nature. And this is another element of God's freedom inside out. right? It's just true, okay? It is true that you have been given a new nature. This is another area in which we can experience inner slavery. And the Bible talks about this a lot. Without the regenerate nature of Christ within us, without the person of Christ within us, our nature and our desires are corrupt and self-centered. That's why Travis, the guy I mentioned at the very beginning, was not free because he's going, I just want to follow my desires and do whatever the heck I want all the time. the reason it keeps you trapped is because your desires are actually already, by default, corrupted and self-centered, and those things don't satisfy you. So whenever you do something nice to someone else, you'll find that it's actually very freeing to you. That's because you're following the Holy Spirit's way of doing things, which is love, right? But if you follow your own desires, your own selfish desires, you end up feeling not free and not happy and not peaceful because you're never created to live like that, right? So even though you tried to follow this path of freedom, Can do whatever I want. You end up being a slave. So the the way that Jesus frees us from that is actually always what he does is he always goes to the root. So if you have a corrupt desire in your heart, Jesus goes, okay, let's go to the root of that. That is your very nature, the very core and center of who you are. How about we kill that thing and we put me in you and then you won't have that corrupt nature anymore and you won't have those corrupt desires anymore. That's what Jesus does. Okay. Jesus creates a new being in us as the the old being dies. Um, One who now desires and thinks just like him as we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. So Galatians 5.17. I'm just going to go through a few different random scriptures here, but if you want to flip to it, go for it. Galatians 5.17. Hear this language. The sinful nature wants to do evil. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. That's capital S Spirit, so Holy Spirit. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. So this is, This verse here is talking about uh, the default state of humanity who actually really deep down want to be good and want to do good things and want to be patient and want to be loving and want to do all these things, right? Want to actually follow the desires of the spirit, but they literally can't. They actually don't have the power to do that because their flesh, their sinful nature, their original Adam human being within them, those desires are corrupt and they war against your desire to do good. So Paul reflects on this in Romans 7. He says, Romans seven twenty-four, Oh, what a miserable person I am. This is him looking back in the day or back before he was regenerate in Christ. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? In that whole chapter, he's going, all I want to do is good, but I literally can't help but do bad. All I, all I want to do is this and all I do is the opposite. I can't believe it. Why, why am I so conflicted? Why am I so like warning this but then drawn this way what is going on and just the chapter before that he talks about how the old the old person died with Christ was buried with Christ right and then we've been set free from the power of sin so it's Romans six twenty two, but now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life sorry so this is key right this is key Originally, you desired to be this loving, generous, self-controlled, all the Holy Spirit fruit things. You wanted to be this person. Everyone deep down wants, not well, maybe not everyone, most people want to deep down be this like version of themselves that they have in their head. There's like loving, patient, just like full of life, full of energy person. But they don't possess within themselves the ability to carry it out. You might be able to imagine yourself walking into a room and you're just so full of love of people and you just want to poise about other people and listen to their conversations and not interrupt with your own things. Yeah. But then you try and do it and you literally can't. Do you know what I'm saying? So that, that's, that's the inner slavery of the, of the old desire clashing with the new desires. Do you know what I'm saying? So Jesus is freeing us from that. As we become more and more like him, you actually can become that person. That's why I said from the beginning, my big idea is that he frees us from the inside out so we can live the lives we were created for. Because you were created for love. You were created for peace and for patience and self-control and gentleness and faithfulness and all those good things. You were created for that, but you can't do it without Jesus. You know what I'm saying? So personal story for me, right? I was addicted to porn for a long time, probably eight to ten years, if I'm honest. On and off, I guess. And for, I would say probably two of those years, I was really wanting to stop, but I didn't know how to stop, right? So this is this is the battle, this is the war within me. I have a desire within me, a corrupt, lustful, self-centered, selfish desire to look at porn, right? But I have this also this Holy Spirit desire to be free from porn. So I'm constantly battling between the two, which one's going to win, right? Well, eventually by me keeping my eyes fixed on Jesus, I actually don't know how this happened. Like I could not tell you, but I just completely was free from it. It it took a lot of time. Yeah, it's awesome. And it's been, it's over seven years now, which is awesome. I honestly have not looked at porn in over seven years, so I'm stoked. Um, And it's awesome. Um, But I don't know what happened. I just know that, hey, Greg, how are you? Um... Jesus, I don't know actually what happened, um, how I got set free, but I just know that keeping my eyes fixed on Jesus, keeping my eyes fixed on the truth, that I wasn't someone who was bound by that sort of stuff, slowly, day by day, my inner nature was renewed, my mind was transformed, and became more and more and more like Jesus until the desire quite literally could not be found within me to look at porn. Now I I honestly just don't want to. How good is that? I wanted to all the time back in the day, right? And now I just don't want to. I remember hearing this hilarious line from a sermon years ago. You guys know the the preacher Mark Driscoll? Anyone know that that name? Someone came up to me and they asked. (laughs) It's so funny. Someone goes, um, this this guy came up to me and he goes, "Um, Pastor Mark, how do you stay faithful to your wife? And um, Mark goes, um, I want to? <laughs>
1: that's
0: it. That's literally the answer. It's, like, it's not hard if you have the desire to do it. Do you know what I'm saying? And so that's what Jesus does within you. He puts this new nature within you and your desires are renewed to be like His. Now you just want what He wants. And He knows that porn equals slavery. And so you just don't desire it anymore because you're like Him. Do you know what I'm saying? So this is true freedom, you know what I'm saying? When your actual desires change, that's true freedom. Because you can try and like force yourself to do something and you find that might work for a couple of weeks or a couple of months, usually you just end up reverting back to it. Because your desires are still the same. And eventually, just, you always do what you want to do. You can't help but do what you want to do in, in your whole life. So the key is, change what you want to do that, so that it's like God. <laughs> Does that make sense? Don't try and force yourself to be like, oh, that's religion. That's just going to cause you death because your heart's not changed. Get your heart changed by Jesus and then you'll just be like him naturally. Mm. And it won't be an effort. And, and, and no one will go, like people might say to you, oh, you're, you're doing this and that. It's so great. Like, look at you. It's holiness. It's God. You're following Jesus, whatever. And you go, I'm literally just being me. Mm. Yeah. I don't feel like I'm really trying. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just with him. My desires are just for him. That's it. It's actually quite simple at the end of the day. But you do have to receive the truth and you do have to believe it in your heart. Jesus. So many people know that they should love more. So many people know that they should spend more time in community. So many, pe- so many people w- want to be more patient, more self-controlled. They know this, it's not an information block, right? A lot of the time you don't need to teach people, oh, you should be loving, yeah. or you should be patient, or you should be this. It doesn't actually help. The problem is they don't have the capacity to carry it out in the way they want to because they themselves are dissatisfied. So they have no love to give. Make sense? Jesus frees us from all these things. And what ends up happening is, usually if religion starts to grab hold, is that we start preaching, oh, you should be loving, or you should be patient, or you should be self-controlled, or you should be faithful or gentle. How come you're not? You've been at church for five years now and you're still not? What? Hasn't Jesus transformed your life? And all of a sudden it's a burden, all of a sudden it's a command, all of a sudden it's an expectation, right? And what it ends up doing is it actually makes people feel worse and worse and worse, and they end up getting very discouraged to even pursue these things in the first place, which they should pursue those things because they bring life, right? But because you don't have the capacity within your heart to carry them out how you want, you're trapped. And especially if you stay in religion, you're even more trapped because now you just keep condemning yourself for not being where you think you should be. That's why Jesus frees you from the whole system of religion. It's just, you're just dead and now you're just alive with me and just fix your eyes on me and you just become like me every single day. It'll just be very, very natural. It's a very natural process. And there's no expectation of you so you can't feel condemned. That's why there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because there's no expectation of you. There's responsibility that you have to uh, be a good steward of what God's given you. But you don't have have a bar you have to hit like you do in religion. Um, The only way to escape this cycle of guilt and failure is to live in Jesus without judgment on yourself. He doesn't judge you, so you shouldn't judge yourself. And letting Him free and transform you from the inside out. Naturally, you will start wanting to do the things of the Spirit which lead to life and it won't feel like you're trying to do it. You'll do it naturally because your nature wants it. See so those two words? You'll naturally want to do it because your nature wants it. You've got a new free heart within you and this is the heart and plan of God. Jesus. Now I have to say, from experience, not just from theology and whatever, this free life that Jesus puts within you, is a, it's really good. It's really awesome. I wouldn't be doing stuff like teaching night if this wasn't like enjoyable. <laughs> i wouldn't follow god i don't think no nah, i definitely wouldn't follow, follow god if it wasn't enjoyable and freeing and life-giving and fill, filling sorry filling my heart with joy it just does it's just my experience you can't argue my experience because i've experienced it it's not a concept okay um now you might still feel pressed from time to time you might not feel fully free all the time if you're following jesus you might feel like i actually feel really bound that's pretty normal to go through, because you're still learning the truth. You're still believing the truth. You're still trying your best to fix your eyes on Jesus. It's normal. It's okay. If you, if you find yourself bound, even within sin, even though the Bible says you're free from sin, but you still find yourself bound within sin, I was in that place too. But what's the answer? I just kept my eyes fixed on Jesus. Just kept praying, and then He naturally just freed me from it. Do you know what I'm saying? All this stuff, it's normal. Just listen to His voice and you'll learn the truth, and you'll start to believe the truth, and then you'll be free. Um, Then, you'll feel really empowered, because you won't have to go out into life looking to be fulfilled and to be free. You'll just already be free, and that's a far better way to do things. Because likely, if you go out into the world looking to be free, you'll look for external freedom. For example, oh, I hate living in the city, it's so busy, it's so stressful, everyone's working so long, and it's so, Expensive. I just want to. Oh, I just want to get a van and drive away to the coast and just chill in my van. Like I would to have a mortgage to pay for and have you know all these stresses in my life. That's called external freedom, which is a good thing. You can go do that van life if you really want to, especially if God calls you to do it. Go do it. Um, but it, you need to understand it's not true inner freedom, and because you're not truly inner inner. Um, sorry, if you're not because you're not truly free on the inside eventually you're gonna hit a wall again, even in your van life that you so preciously defend. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Oh, it's so good I'm out of the city, I'm so free now. No, you're not, because you don't have peace and you don't have freedom within your heart, because that comes from Jesus and his truth. Also, just a side note, non-Christians can actually believe things of the kingdom of God without having a relationship with God and start to experience freedom. So you can actually, yeah, it's true. It's true, because for example, like I said before, if you feel worthless because you haven't achieved anything in your life, well, a non Christian could just receive the idea, I don't have to achieve anything to feel worthy. And that's a true concept that comes from the kingdom of God, but they didn't know that, but they still believed it, and now they experience freedom. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Not that I'm saying that you should go down that route, <laughs> because then you won't get to know Jesus, and that's the best part. Um, but you, you will see snippets of freedom in lots of different people. You can learn. Or more, you can learn from anyone. Just because they're not Christian, It actually doesn't matter. You can still learn from them because mm. they may have experienced something without even realizing it that's from the kingdom of God just because they believed it. Mm. Sometimes what happens is the world is actually a little bit further ahead than the church is, which is kind of sad and it shouldn't be that way, but it kind of is. Um, for example, uh, the the... What's the movement called? Civil rights movement in America. Actually, no, that's not a good example because that guy was a Christian. Um, uh, so, Okay, for example, the women's rights, right? I actually don't know how much history in this. I'm sorry if I get it all wrong. But it was probably... <laughs> frick, I just don't know much history, so please excuse me if I get it wrong. But I don't think it was the church campaigning for women's rights. As a matter of fact, probably a lot of churches were against women, women's rights in that sense, and they were using certain Bible verses to say that women shouldn't do this, women shouldn't do that. Very oppressive mindset. And, the, and then the world goes, I don't think that's right. I think that women actually are equal to men and they start going on this whole journey. And then eventually 50 years later, the church goes, oh yeah, I think that's right. <laughs> it's literally what happens. Like the, the church starts to go, actually, I think the world's got something that we don't have, which is part of the kingdom of God. They don't do it perfectly, but they've got something that's true that we don't have. And I think that's right. And that it shouldn't be that way. The church should lead the way with this stuff. But that just shows how much we can get bound by religion and, and worldly mindsets, even within the church, and we end up not leading the world like we should. That makes sense? Jesus, I don't know how I got on that topic, but Jesus King. Yeah. Okay. And the, but the best part about this freedom in Jesus is that it's actually very different to the world's version of freedom, first of all, because it's internal, not external <coughs> and, and it's a freedom that comes with a responsibility, and this is what keeps you within freedom, because sometimes this even happens within church, people get so free, they start to think that everything is okay to do, mm. and everything's not okay to do, because if you open the door too wide, you end up back in the corrupt desires of, of your sinful nature. And then you end up back in slavery and your freedom led you there. That's why, that's why there's still commands in the New Testament, even though there's no expectation over you because of the commands. It's not, it's not a law. You're freed from the law of Moses and all that sort of stuff. Now you live free in the, in the law of the spirit, spirit of life, right? Romans 8. But there's still commands in the New Testament. That used to confuse me so much. I was like, why is there commands here? This feels exactly like the Old Testament. This feels exactly like religion, right? But the commands are there to keep you within your freedom. Because if you start just doing whatever, because you feel, oh, Jesus freed me from sin. Jesus made me a new nature. I'm just so free. I'm so free. I'm so free. Uh, Paul goes, no, you can't continue in sin. Those of us who have died to sin, how can you continue in sin? Those people end up being unfree and unhappy, even though freedom led them there, because it wasn't freedom, because you didn't take your freedom with responsibility. Freedom and responsibility go hand in hand. Yeah. (coughs) God didn't buy our freedom with the blood of his son so that we could go and become slaves again. It's a very important concept. God didn't buy our freedom with the blood of his son so that we could go and become slaves again. Now, the Galatian church, the church in Galatia, was a free church that believed the truth, all the stuff I mentioned so far, believed Jesus became part of the kingdom of God, became part of the bride of Christ. And then, by their own decision and their lack of responsibility, went back into slavery. And then, the worst part of all, started to defend it and teach it to other people. That's where, that's where things get really dangerous and that's where religion gets born. So what happened with the, with the, uh, with the church in Galatia is that they believed Jesus and then Paul planted the church there, preached the gospel. Everyone was free. Everyone was frothing. It was all good. Then Paul leaves and goes to another place to plant a church. These guys come up behind Paul a few weeks, a few months later, whatever it is, and they start saying, look, guys, um, Jesus is good and it's right that you follow him, but we can't forget that we came from uh, Judaism and from Israel and from especially circumcision. So we need to make sure we keep G- Jesus good, but you must also be circumcised. That's what they said. And the Galatian church goes, yeah, that's fair enough. I think that sounds about right. Like God doesn't want to just abandon his plan for circumcision in Israel and all that sort of stuff. Let's just do that. And then Paul writes this letter called Galatians is absolutely ruthless letter because he realizes how dangerous this is because it literally steals all your freedom because they brought back in a command and now an expectation and now a measuring stick and now this person's doing it, this person's not, he's better than this person. And he, Paul knows how dangerous this system is. Paul knows that you bring, this, you bring the law back in, you bring actually just one command, bring one command back in, you are now instantly slaves again. Instantly, by your own admission, by your own lack of responsibility to know that, no, it's just Jesus that sets me free. It's just by grace, I'm justified, not by circumcision or any other command that you want to throw in there. Does that make sense? Paul is, is probably the most ruthless letter in the New Testament. He goes, if anyone preaches to you this crap ever again, I swear to you, even an angel preaches this stuff to you. Let that angel be accursed. It's like, oh, dang. I thought it was just circumcision. Paul's like, you don't realize what, it, what this is. This is like keeping you trapped and, and he says it's, it's cut you off from the grace of Christ. It cut you off. You're receiving all this favor from God, all these blessings from God, because you received the gospel, right? Now God can just bless you because of that. And you know it's by grace through faith, right? But now you've brought the law back in and so you think you deserve it. Or you think you don't deserve it because you didn't get circumcised fast enough or this guy did it better than you or whatever. All the things that come in, right? That's why we have a responsibility alongside of our freedom to keep our freedom by saying Jesus is what has set me free. It's by grace alone, through faith alone. That's what keeps you free. Make sense? Mm -hmm. We set our hearts and our minds on the things of the Spirit. This is Romans 8. And that keeps us free by keeping us in holiness, which is God's true freedom of love. Um, Romans six fifteen. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. Galatians 5, 1. So Christ has truly set us free. So make sure you stay free and don't, t- don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Make sure you stay free, that's what Paul says. You have freedom, but it can be taken away from you if you're not careful. That's why you, you just receive the truth, believe the truth and stay in the truth by fixing your eyes on Jesus and you'll be free. You'll stay free. <clears throat> in 1 Peter 2.16, for you are free yet you are God's slaves. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. <clears throat> Jesus. So stay measured and sober-minded in your freedom. Always be on the watch out for things that look to bind you inwardly again. Just because you've been free with something doesn't mean you can no longer be inwardly bound again. You can, especially if you start to believe lies or let um, the control of religion come into your heart. Watch out for these things. Paul, Paul especially Paul, gives lots of different um, commands in the New Testament. Watch out, be careful, look out for this, don't believe this. Because it's, it's not a uh, pressure thing. It's, hey, how about we all just keep our freedom? That's it, because there's lots of things trying to steal your freedom away from you. If you don't have peace within your heart, then you're not free in that area. And Paul's like, how about we just keep that (laughs) and be strong about it? Don't let anyone else come into the church and start stealing people's freedom away from them that they have in Christ. Don't, Don't let that happen. So be careful of lies and mindsets that can trap you. You are free in Christ, but be responsible and wise with your freedom. Satan, religion, and the law will try to come in and steal it. But you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus and set, um, set your mind on the things of the Spirit and you will stay in freedom. So you set, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus and set your mind on the things of the Spirit and you will stay in freedom. The end. Any questions? <laughs> Did you get a question?
1: While you were talking, yeah. I was thinking that our behavior and our performance mm-hmm. never allowed us to enter into Christ. Mm. So those things are never going to disqualify us. So it's just, that's right. you know, He found us. Mm-hmm. We didn't find Him. We were, yeah. we were dark, man. Mm. <laughs> he found us. Yeah. That's and it. So it's not our performance or our behaviors that we able to enter into yeah. Him. That's yeah. right, So it won't, those that's
0: 100% won't right, 100%. Mm. It's so funny how much we preach, um, say, by grace, through faith, and everyone goes, yes, and they receive that, and they become Christians, and then how short the time period is, it seems, from that moment mm-hmm. to, oh, how come God's not moving in my life, or oh, what I've got to be doing, or how come, can you pray for me, or whatever, and you instantly, it seems that way anyway, instantly come back into this mindset but I, I should be performing, right? I should be at this point by now, right? But that's not how you got in. So why did you think that's how you could continue?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The way that you, This is what Paul says. The way that you first received Christ, continue in that. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. It never changes from, oh, it's just by grace through faith. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. I mean, Paul Wade actually says, who bewitched you. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Who is, cursed is, you. <laughs> you Pretty fun yeah. word. Like it's a control witchcraft. Yeah. Who bewitched
0: you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm constantly shocked at how hectic that letter is. It is, I
1: know. It's full on.
0: It is full on, but the more I live, the more I see why. Yeah, I do too. Because I'm like...
1: It's dangerous territory.
0: Yeah, the law really does hurt people, and they end up rejecting Jesus and Christianity Mm -hmm. because, oh, this doesn't work for me, or I didn't get the result that I wanted. Mm -hmm. Because you were following the law the whole time, thinking that was you following Jesus, and you got so frustrated because you didn't get what you think you deserved. And that I've seen it happen to even my friends, good friends of mine. Mm-hmm. They were following the law the whole time, calling it Jesus, calling it faith, and it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And getting so frustrated, built up over time, and they just reject Christianity completely. You never, you never were in Christianity, not, yeah. not, not legitimately anyway, because mm-hmm. it's by grace, you know. Yeah. Any other questions, comments? I
1: was reading a little article about religion versus grace, and yeah. what part part of the article says that. Religion will make you turn and face yourself. Yeah. Um, It's all about you. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas grace will turn, allow you to turn and face Jesus. Mm -hmm. Because it's all about Him. Yeah. 100%. Two distinct ways of looking at Christianity. Well,
0: completely agree. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I also heard at one point a really cool line. If you. Understand the gospel and you sin, then you'll run to God. But if you don't understand the gospel and you sin, you'll run away from God. Mm. Does it make sense? Yeah. It's always you keeping your eyes fixed on God that He receives you as righteous by grace, you know? Mm. Yeah. It's awesome.
1: Mm. Questions? I feel super
0: uncomfortable. Super uncomfortable? Mm. Do you want to talk to me afterwards? Yeah, that's okay, we'll talk afterwards. Do you have a question, Jenny, or?
1: You know how you were talking about anger before? It's like, how come people do get angry with God? I don't understand how people can get angry at at God when he's actually trying to help them not to destroy them. You know what I mean?
0: Sometimes you start to believe lies. Sometimes your perspective gets off. And you start to think that God owes you something or there should be a certain expectation that he should be meeting, but that expectation doesn't exist, but you think it does. And so you feel let down and disappointed by God. And so you get frustrated and bitter, but really the problem was with your perspective on God. You just saw him the wrong way, expected something from him that he never promised. And, and you, you were twisted and so you ended up hurting yourself, but blaming it on God. I've been there. I've done that many times myself. But that's usually what I see happen. People Yeah. They just kind of they, they lose sight of the love of God. You know what I'm saying? I think yeah. that
2: exactly right
0: now. Yeah. We'll talk afterwards, okay? Yeah. Any other questions, guys? Concerns?
3: Where is it in the does it say in the Bible that he's wonderful counsel on? is that in the bible or is Mm. that just because i remember it's part of like Handel's messiah i think Uh, there you go i didn't even know that one just reminded me when you were
1: talking about the
0: guy's like a counselor that's awesome man wonderful counselor yeah i very rarely think of god as a counselor but i probably should think about him more like that (laughs) (coughs) 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 counseling me through stuff any more, any more questions? <laughs> I feel like this topic is super prevalent at the moment with uh, our generation, especially, it's, it's every generation of course, but millennials especially, just this inner freedom. You know what I mean? So, so many people, even my friends and my family, are so bound within themselves and it's so, so heartbreaking to watch. And it feels quite powerless to not to know what to do. Because mm. it's like, you look so in pain. I, I know that if I introduce you to Jesus and you receive him, you'll be free, but you don't seem open to that. You don't seem like you're searching for that, or I don't know, it's super tough. I'm very passionate about this topic.
1: Is that mainly because of increased social media, you
0: think? I, I know social media plays a part. There's no doubt about that. But that's not the cause. Like, I don't know, that's not what you're saying. Mm. But
1: Like the, in the difference for the generation.
0: Yeah. I think there's, um, i was listening to something today.
1: Or pressure as well to have to perform. And
0: yeah. Yeah. I think there's a real um, isolation problem. Like people feeling really cut off from community and people and friend friend groups and
2: mm-hmm.
0: kind of just trapped in their phone or trapped in online communities only or things like that. It's not good for people mm-hmm. and they end up getting very internal, not knowing how to process mm-hmm. things. Um, and it starts to snowball and they start to lose control of their thoughts and their desires and then they start to get really upset at themselves or guilty or feel judged. Or, mm-hmm. I mean, that's just part of it. This whole topic of mental health is like massive. Um, yeah.
1: How do you feel the church can reach people like that?
0: <laughs> Good question. <laughs> I think um the the church needs to truly become family first of all. Like it's a great word. It's one thing that's said and another thing to actually pull it off. I think it's probably one of the hardest things to actually pull off. Um like if this place was like this place or any church felt genuinely like you did when you're at your most best time with your family. That would be amazing for people. Like, community is so helpful for people mental health-wise. So I think it would be, first of all, it would be that. I think second of all, it would be encouraging people that you really do need community in your lives because I know a lot of people just, they they get caught up in their head. Oh, I don't know if I want to go to church tonight. I shouldn't, should I go if I don't want to go or should I go to teach tonight if I'm not sure if it's on my heart tonight. I, I think God should just lead me. And they just get all up in their heads. Mm-hmm. But really the... Importance is you need to be in community because it's really helpful for your mind really helpful for your heart and for your spiritual journey with God so I think a a Focused effort on creating family and then a focused effort on teaching people about the importance of community I think that would really help and then there's also practical things like uh, Putting a lock on your phone or for example creating a culture when going out to coffee or restaurants. No one's on their phone just practical things like that I think um, will really help people to not be so trapped in a device. Yeah. Did you want to say something? I've just felt it.
2: <laughs> um, One of the, the biggest things that I've noticed, because like, I have a lot of like non-Christian friends, yeah. and like, a lot of people, I don't know, it's crazy because I've realized how many of them are so turned off by Christianity, because mm. it's been so misrepresented. Yeah. And like the amount of people that I can see they just want God, but they do not want Christianity. Yeah. Yeah. And like they spit it out every chance that they get, and it's I don't know. I think like a big thing about that, like, I remember when I came back from Waiwan, or before I came back, I asked mm-hmm. them, I was like, what's the most important thing when I get back? And they said, be the gospel, don't preach the gospel. Wow, and it just hit me, and I was like, oh my gosh, okay, like, fine, I can do that, and then it like. I remember that really shifted everything and so many people that I know that are so hurt by like Christianity Mm. are so like people just preach at me all the time like I was literally with someone just before and he was telling me that he's been preached at like so many times by so many different types of people and he's like I don't want it yeah I'm just like oh my gosh like and that's the thing like what do we do about it yeah because I'm like the only thing that we can do about it is us personally come to know God yeah for the real God totally yeah. how do you get the whole body of christ to come to
1: that room? but maybe he's just rebellious in his heart like if he's been no
2: but that's i have so many friends like that like mm. i have so many people that just don't want christianity like but
1: they
2: want god yeah but they want they want
1: god because he's mm-hmm. been preached that does yeah. that mean that it's christianity being misrepresented to him or is it just because he's got a rebellious well heart? i don't
2: know like i guess like from like what a lot of people have like talked to me about, like how they don't want Christianity, is they've seen people like, I guess, be Christian and like um, mm. be a certain like good person, I guess, and then go out and like hurt them or like do something yeah, like, like, totally it happens a lot in like families, like people have family members that are Christian, but then like they come home from church and then go angry at like, mm. you know, and it's not like love totally. isn't represented in yeah. like, and I think people who are kind of open to God are a bit more sensitive. To yeah. That
0: it communicates this message that um, I preach this idea to you, yeah. but it's not actually real. Yeah. Because yeah. look at my life. Yeah. I've put on this an, essentially a facade yeah. that I am happy and God's done all these things in my life, but then truly deep down, especially in family situations, because that's when all the walls come down, because family it sees the real you, <laughs> not the best version of you. And then um, you see it for what it is. And pe- people, people are very perceptive of these things. They see that when you're your most true self at home, and so when you're at home and you're being like this or that, and it's not in line with what you said about God, then I don't believe your message about God. So first of all, I don't think it's real because if it was, you'd be a certain person, right? And secondly, I think, um, I think the immediate and default frame of Christianity in our current modern Australian uh, context is that Christianity is come to steal your freedom away yes. from you, right? Yes. So it's, that's it, that's it. That, that's the frame, that's, the, that's come from culture, it's come from TV, it's come from movies over the years. Christian's always the lame person, it's kind of awkward. It's like that person seems so religious and bound up and they are in the, in the movies and all that sort of thing. And so it's fair enough, you, your, your mind starts to um, draw these ideas. Christianity equals slavery. Why the heck would I want slavery? And if someone comes up, starts preaching to you. Then you start immediately feel like you want to get something from me. And I'm not willing to give that up. And that's right. They shouldn't be willing to give that up because they should want more freedom. Right? <laughs> you don't want to go backwards in freedom. Right? And so it's, I think it's important to be the gospel. It's important to preach the truth because there's power in the truth. There's power in the message, but it's also important to reframe this whole cultural perception of Christianity. The culture at large has rejected Christianity, right? Australia is not a Christian nation. Um, may it been at some point so was America, but now at at large, most people have rejected it because they, and they might have a million different reasons for that. But deep down, they think it's going to make me less joyful if I follow Jesus. So, why the heck would I follow Jesus? So, all it is is a reframing of the way that you think. And then the best thing that you can do is what you said, is you live it out. Because then you actually tell this completely different story. No, Jesus actually made my life significantly better. I'm not trying to prove a point to you, it's just literally true. What do you want me to say? Do you know what I mean? Show
1: don't tell. Huh? Show don't tell.
0: Yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't, I don't go that far because um, you got to tell, because at some point, show show and tell. No, no, because I I understand the point, and it's well received because a lot of the time we tell and don't show, right? But Jesus did also tell, and he got a very big part of. Perfect
3: though. So like that's the problem. I feel like when you when you're someone who, as you were saying before, isn't perfect, obviously, like. and then you go and tell and people look at it from a performance-based context because they're not christian yeah don't understand it because it's it's quite unintuitive really Mm -hmm. it's like we're christians but we don't we don't have an expectation on us but everyone goes well you're Mm -hmm. christians you should be great yeah yeah
0: so So, and that's an that's a great example and that's exactly the the cultural context as well Mm -hmm. it's performance based like you said right But that in itself is another way we need to reframe this whole conversation. It's got nothing to do with performance. I'm not claiming to be some sort of morally perfect human. I'm not, I quite literally am not, right? Mm -hmm. I just love Jesus and he sent me free. How about that? Do you know what I mean? And that's reframing the way people think, oh, you're not trying to be better than me. You're not trying to say, come join my little group or whatever. It's just that Jesus wants to put inner freedom within you. Who the heck would not want that? Do you know what I mean? Re- re- reframing the way that um, we-, we perceive it as a culture. I think it's really important, um, but also to there is actual power in the message of the gospel. I don't fully understand how this actually literally works, but when you preach the gospel, there's something in the spirit that happens that can't happen without preaching the gospel, right? Um, God, when he created the universe, he spoke. He didn't have to speak but he spoke because that's just who he is, right? He could have thought it. He could have clicked his fingers, could have done whatever. He's God, right? But he spoke. It's a really big part of his character is words. Jesus is the word of God. The Bible is the word of God, right? So that we can't deny the speaking part, but of course you cannot deny the showing part show and tell, like you said. <laughs> and a combination of the two. And honestly, I think a lot of people are afraid that if they start preaching the gospel, they'll be called a hypocrite because they haven't got all their stuff sorted together, which again is another performance-based mentality, which is completely wrong. But you're not a hypocrite if you just say, I'm following Jesus and he's setting me free. That's not hypocritical. I'm not claiming to have all of my ducks in a row to walk this perfectly moral life I'm claiming I know Jesus and he's put so much joy and peace within me and how about I give some of you that because it's infinite (laughs) do you know what I mean? there's different different ways of perceiving it Um, but understanding that the culture perceives it in a certain way is very important yeah I have one yes go for it okay
2: I was just wondering like in a mosque that it kind of comes down to like love as in like love is what like transforms you and like love is what brings you freedom Mm. the whole everything that you have said literally just comes back to his love yeah
0: i think so um i really love that you said that um a couple years ago i was like going through the bible and I'd, i'd read it a few times and all that sort of stuff and i was trying to think what is the big message of this you know like it it says a lot of things and a lot of great things and a lot of Christians take one thing and go this is it I'm like okay but what is actually it like what's the thing right and there's two things that I came up with right these are the big um big topics that the Bible keeps coming back to the first one was knowing God like Paul goes I'll just do anything just to know him that's all I care about just knowing him everything else is crap in my life I just want to know him so I was like that's a big deal and the second one is love right? So in uh, 1 Corinthians 13, it says, um, so these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Why did he have to write that? It's because love is actually the core and center of these things. You know, Hope and faith and all those things, they flow from love. Like It doesn't say that God is self-control. God is patient. He is all those things, but it says God is love. Do you know what I mean? Um, and when you, when you inject love into the scene, everything starts to make sense. But if you have no love in it, like if this church has no love, this church is nothing. Do you know what I mean? If, I up, if I'm up here preaching without love, it's nothing and a waste of time. The concepts might be true, so you might get something from the concept. But without love, it's nothing. That's what 1 Corinthians 13 says. So you need love in the center of it. And I think it always comes back to love, like you said. Like, Without love, what, what is the point of this whole thing? Mm. Like, it's what drives all of God's decisions, is love. So, does that answer your question? Yeah. No worries. <laughs> Great question. It
1: actually says in Ephesians, I'm just trying to find that love shows a maturity of the sun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to find it. It's not like, you know, how well I can prophesy, how well I can heal, mm. how well I can preach. It's like, if I can love,
0: I'm actually considered a mature son. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like in, in 1 John, like John is really into the concept of love. Like if you read the Gospel of John and then 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, it's like all about love, especially 1 John. He says in 1 John, um, it's so important to love your brothers and sisters that if you don't love them, it means that you haven't actually met God. Like that's how much love actually is, is a thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's just, it's the core of it. Yeah. So if you're gonna focus on anything, it's becoming love. Mm. Not just like, I wanna be more loving, yeah. that's great, but you also wanna become love, cause God yeah. is love.
2: But isn't love something that you can't manufacture, that you can only receive it in order to do it? Like,
0: I could be wrong about that. No, 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 I don't, I don't, I never thought about
2: it, it like the that. the essence of God. Mm.
1: Love is the essence
2: of God. Yeah. yeah, but yeah. like you think if you're receiving yeah. it from God, it's coming out of you. Yeah. yeah. But like. All the time, you're gonna find it hard to love them, but it's mm-hmm. really nice to you all the time. It's easy to love them because yeah. you feel love, so you're giving love. Yeah, and like that's where I think, like once you receive God's love, then it comes out mm-hmm. of you, not because yeah. of anything you're doing, but because you're receiving love, and then that's and you love because love. yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not sure about the the idea of um, it's something that you can't manufacture. I I have to think about that. It's yeah, okay. yeah. an interesting <laughs> thought. Oh, no, um, that's
3: true a lot of people say that like you know you can't love if you haven't received love yourself yeah. yeah if you kind of think about it in the context of God as like an infinite source of love and then when people go towards him even if they're not Christian they kind of get filled with that a little bit
0: yeah
3: Yeah. and then sometimes try and people try and you know take someone else's love but that's like not an infinite source so that's when relationships can go bad Oh, hundred 100% well, so. 100% yeah have you, you done your question? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah yeah
0: there's definitely truth to that. Like, I've experienced that as well. Like uh, Actually, a couple of years ago, when I was in a really bad like, spiritual state, my sister, I hung out with her for a day and she was just like frothing on Jesus. It was awesome. And she goes, I really want to pray for you. And I was like, oh, All right, yeah, sure, whatever. I just pray for you and go for it. And then <laughs> she goes, But I'm, I'm only going to pray one thing. And I was like, Okay, well, what are you going to pray? And she goes, I'm just going to pray that God fills you up with his love. Cause don't even bother trying anything, trying to do anything yeah. without that. And I was like, okay, and then she prayed for that, and then it was like three or four months later. That's when like God really wrecked me and just filled me up with His love, and then I just had so much love to give and energy to give because it really wasn't mine. It was just me being in Him, and I just felt fulfilled all the time. It's just awesome, yeah. I think I'll wrap it up there because it's about nine o'clock. Um, but yeah, thanks Jesus. No worries. Yeah. No worries. No worries. All good. Jesus.